Hello and welcome to the Walk Around Podcast. Our goal is to share with you the insights, the skills, the processes, and the leaders that are influencing the retail automotive landscape today. My name is Nick Funch, and recently Mark Spoto, one of my colleagues, and I had a chance to sit down with Jeff Grady. Jeff is a leadership advisor. He's authored a number of books and an executive coach. He and his firm, Avion Consulting, help leaders get the most out of their teams and themselves. Today, we take a look inside leadership and how to check your ego at the door and the impact that makes in high-performing teams. Join me as we take a walk around with Jeff Grady. Hey, Jeff, I'm excited to, or I think we're excited really to talk to you today about uh, teams and kind of some of the keys to uh, creating and sustaining high-performing teams. But before we get into that, maybe a little bit about yourself and kind of how you you got to this point. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invite, guys. Uh, So, you know, I got into leadership consulting about 15 years ago. I was a psychologist by training, uh, although feeling much better now. So thanks for that. Thank you. Uh, And I just realized at that point in my career that I liked focusing on human behavior and kind of why people did what they did. Uh, But I wanted to look at the upside, right? Performance, excellence, right? How to create um, kind of a a better version of whatever it is you're trying to do rather than kind of the more therapy or clinical route that I had originally been trained in. I also kind of way back when um, not only was trained as a psychologist, but was trained as a sports psychologist. And so I think there was a natural uh, pivot for me to kind of focus on helping leaders and teams be more effective because I think a lot of leaders and teams in the business environment, including in, uh, in automotive and in retail, uh, there is a performance orientation that kind of like makes sense to people. So, you know, I've been doing this for about 15 years. I love working with teams and working with leaders, especially in performance oriented businesses, because there's a lot on the line and there's a lot of money being left on the table. If you're not as good as you could be, uh, and focusing on the psychology of how to make that happen, um, is not only fun for me, but, you know, high impact for clients that we work with. So you've worked with a lot of teams, a lot of different industries and businesses. What are some commonalities of really high-performing, exceptional teams? Well, I think the first thing you got to acknowledge as a leader of a team that may or may not be high-performing is that you're not doing everything that you can do to be more high-performing. So I come across a lot of leaders who are getting pretty good results and maybe even market-leading results and think, well, if I'm winning by that calibration, then I must be doing everything right. Uh, and they're always wrong. There's always more you can do, especially when it comes to driving different mindsets that, of course, then drive different behaviors uh, to close the gap between what's true and what's possible. So kind of being number one in your market, being number one in your store uh, doesn't mean you're doing everything right. And I think just human nature is if I'm winning, I think I'm doing everything right. Uh, you know, you, you could take, let's go to a sports example, right? We, let's take the Patriots who've been dominating, you know, in the NFL for a number of years as a franchise. And whether or not you love the Pats or you hate them, you got to say, well, they're doing a bunch of stuff right because they're winning. Of course, if you hate them, you'd think, well, deflategate and all that. But, you know, they're winning. So they must be doing a lot right, but they're not doing everything right. And there's always things they could do better. So just like sports, business is no different. There's an opportunity to create a different way of thinking and therefore a different way of behaving that closes the gap between kind of what's true and what's possible. But as a leader of a, of a team, you have to have a mindset that's open to that's right. continuous improvement. Exactly. So if you're, so here's the, the, the conundrum. If, you're, if you have a big ego as a leader, 
that can be healthy and that that drives for performance and it means you're confident in yourself and your team and hopefully your process. Uh, but if your ego is too big or if it's unchecked, then usually you kind of believe your stuff doesn't stink. So you therefore don't try and continuously improve. You think, no, I've got things figured out. And if there's a problem or an underperformance, it must be, you know, my team or my people or that person or the consultants that help us didn't give us the right process. It can be any of those things, just not me, because my ego won't allow me to believe it. So the first thing you do as a leader is check your ego. If you check your ego and say, I can be better, and if I'm better, I can help the team be better or help an individual on my team be better, then we can drive higher performance. So definitely checking your ego at the door. I'm not saying lose the ego, right? Forget about the ego. You don't want, you know, your quarterback or, you know, World Series is going on right now. You don't want your best pitcher coming out on the mound on opening night having that confidence problem or checking their ego completely. That wouldn't be good. You want a lot of confidence, but a recognition that you can always get better and that there's things you can control that actually make you better and make your team better. So in automotive, it, it seems like you create a lot of false positives. The ego does potentially because yeah. you're, you're, it's a short window. You're kind of monthly or you're a hero one day and back to mm. square one the next day. That's right. What, what promotes kind of healthy teams? Like what are a couple of things that you see that are consistent across kind of the groups you've worked with that really promote um, healthy teams? Yeah. Yeah, I think when you look at high performance teams, there's a couple of factors that really stand out. The first one tends to get ignored on the front end because you're working usually with the team you have. And so you're trying to improve that. Hey, let me make my team high performing. First thing is, is hire the right people. You got to have the right people on team high performing. You can't put lipstick on a pig, so to okay. speak, right? So if you hire the wrong people who have the right skills or the right mindsets, then you're already kind of trying to swim with one arm behind your back. Now, let's say you've hired the right people. You've hired a, a great team or a pretty good team, but they're not as high performing as they could be and you want to do something about it. Creating a feedback rich environment is how you improve any team, especially teams that are hungry to improve and want to be high performance. Without a feedback rich environment, if you if people are scared of feedback, if they don't respond well to feedback, if they avoid feedback, if those things are true, which by the way starts with the leader creating that atmosphere of comfort and performance focus, not I'm getting beat up here, right? Or I'm getting taken out to the woodshed because I did something wrong. Rather, feedback will help me improve. If you have the right people on the team and you give them lots of feedback, feedback I mean both positive and constructive, both backwards looking and forwards looking, feedback and feed forward. Here's what I want you to do differently. Here's what I want you to think about next time you're in that situation. That went fine, right? You closed the deal. That went fine. You achieved your numbers. That's someone who's doing something well but can do it better. We would give them feed forward. Here's what you do better next time. You've already did great this time. Now, of course, back to why you got to hire good people is some people can't handle that kind of pressure, right? They can't handle that regularity of feedback. They don't like being told they're not as good as they could be. For people who are high performing themselves as individuals, they're hungry for that. I want to know if I could do something better. I'm not saying it doesn't sting. I'm not saying like I love what it feels like to be told you messed that up or you did a good job but not good enough for where we're trying to get together, get, get as a team together. Um, so, you know, you got to put on your thick skin uh, if you're one of those teammates. You also have to put on your thick skin if you're the leader. Because if you're the leader, you got to realize there's things you're not doing as effectively as you could to promote that high performance orientation in the team. Yeah. So, you know, I think about myself and I remember I had a boss who it, I still to this day get PTSD over the word feedback because <laughs> right. there's no like he he just used it incessantly. It wasn't real. 
Right. Uh, it just felt like he was nitpicking because, and every time he said the word feedback, it gave me, I just kind of automatically tuned out. It's like he cried wolf too many times yep. and it was like silly little nitpicky stuff. And, and we hear a lot of that yeah. I think, and people try to use it, but if, if you're you know, by the way, receiving in, yeah. By the way, we call that weaponizing feedback. So I think people do that. I think that's a yeah. great term, weaponizing. And I've certainly experienced that. So how how do you combat that? Because I understand what you're saying. Like there, it needs to be a two way street, right? There's mm-hmm. got to you got to have um, uh, open dialogue. That hey, this is not. I'm not coming from a malicious place. I'm coming from a place where I want the team to get better. Yeah. But it comes across so personal so many times. How how do we kind of combat that side? Yeah. I think when you are thinking about feedback, you got two options. One is feedback does turn into a dirty word for a lot of people because it's been weaponized in their career. So, you know, if you worked at, you know, one store and feedback was weaponized and you were just beat down by it, whether it's nitpicking or only uh, kind of focusing on personal things or personality attributes rather than behaviors and outcomes, then you might be sensitized to like, you know, the word feedback might be kind of a trigger for people. Like, I don't like that word. It doesn't mean, you know, I, I don't receive the information I'm getting well because I it's front loaded with the word feedback that I don't respond well to. So you have a choice there. You can you can either uh, kind of de-weaponize the word feedback over time. It takes a little while, but it's doable. Uh, or you can just avoid using the word feedback because it's too loaded. Okay. And you could, for example, I have leaders that uh, choose to say, yeah, I'm going to stop using the word feedback and I'm just going to replace it with a word that still fits the bill and kind of doesn't trigger anybody to have like a defensive reaction. So I'm going to use the word information. I want to share some information with you. Right. I want to share some information. I want to share my reactions. They have a reaction to what you just did. You want to hear my reaction about that? Because the word reaction usually is less defensive triggering than the word feedback. So you can use the word feedback, but you got to de-weaponize it. Or you can just choose a different word that fits the bill and never use the word feedback again. Because what is feedback? Feedback is information. It's data. It's an observation. Right. Now, if you're whether you use the word feedback or you choose a different word to replace it, you need feedback to be both accurate and useful. So what happens, why are people defensive? They personalize it because either they think it's not accurate feedback, right? Or it may be technically accurate. The nitpicking example you gave, technically it's accurate, but it's not really useful. It wouldn't have really made a difference. And so people are most defensive when they think one of those two factors is violated. Yeah, so I'm really curious about that component that you just talked about where the person, there's like two sides to every story, right? And so when you, when you have to stick with the facts, like the facts can be, um, or there's different perspectives on the actual facts. And so getting everybody on the same page is I think key to that piece. Um, and so I think using a word would certainly help Mark. I don't know your thoughts around that. Well, I was going to ask Jeff about timing of feedback Mm -hmm. because I've had a boss in, in, you know, prior jobs where, uh, she would not you know, give me feedback in the moment. It was maybe months or weeks later. And I was like, what are you talking about? So let's read into that. Mark's wife would save up all the feedback and let it spill (laughs) just in one weekend. And poor Mark. Well, my wife is one of my bosses. Yes. But that's not who I'm talking about in this case. Yeah, it's It's a good question, Mark, because I think you have to be intentional about the timing of the feedback. So if we back up from the idea of the goal is a high performing team and a prerequisite to driving high performance in a, in a team is a feedback-rich environment. Therefore, I want to give regular, useful, and true feedback, accurate and useful feedback. Uh, part of what i got to be thoughtful about is there's time and a place to give feedback. So most feedback is most useful uh, as soon as possible. 
not that doesn't mean right in the moment mm -hmm. in all cases, but it just means as soon as possible. So maybe right after a meeting, right? Oh, right after uh, a conversation that gets observed or a conversation that happens directly. So uh, feedback as soon as possible um, might be the next week, right? If you think someone on your team needs to cool off or by the way, they're actually, they're going to take a, they're going to take a, a day off uh, for a long weekend well, you know, should I give them, you know, true and useful feedback, but constructive on, you know, Thursday evening? No, bad idea, right? So being thoughtful about how long uh, should I wait to give them the feedback? Well, it's as soon as possible, except thinking about the circumstances. And that's what I mean by being intentional. I think there's another factor besides timing to be thoughtful about. You want people to have the information they need when they need it, right? In that case, it would have been more helpful, Mark, for you to get sooner than having it all be saved up and given later on. I think the other thing is you got to calibrate the level of the feedback. So earlier, Nick, you talked about kind of this nitpick idea, right? And people don't like having a nitpick type of feedback given to them on a regular basis because most of that feedback probably doesn't really matter, right? It may be their opinion. It may actually be true, but it's not really that useful because it doesn't really change performance. So what's better than nitpicking is actually in that case, maybe saving up a few of those until you recognize a pattern. If you're a leader, instead of nitpicking, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to wait until I see three examples of that. Now, if it's a big deal, I better jump in and give the feedback. But if it's not really a big deal, maybe I wait a couple weeks till I see a couple examples. And then at the end of the month, I'm going to say, hey, let's have a one-on-one. -on -one. I've noticed a couple times over the last couple weeks, X and Y and Z, I want to talk to you about it because I want to help you kind of achieve better performance by not doing that anymore or by changing how you're doing it. So in some cases, I would say move up the timeline. But actually, there are cases where you say, well, let me move back the timeline and give some feedback. So be intentional about the timing. And also make sure to kind of the, the point I was making a minute ago about it's not just about timing, it's about calibration, calibration about the amplitude of the emotion. So feedback is an emotional conversation in many cases. In many cases. Uh, you need to be thoughtful about how will this person respond to my feedback? What's my best guess? If they work for you, you know, if they work for you for two years, you're going to know how they're going to respond in most cases. So think about that and then think about how you should act on an emotional calibration level. In some cases, you would want to show emotion because you want to make sure they know you're serious. This is a big deal. Or let's say it's a positive piece of feedback. You want to show how proud of them you are, how happy you are that they stepped up in some regard. You know, if they had a record month, if they did something new they never were able to do before, you would want to show them, A, you would want to give them positive feedback, right? Reinforce the behavior. And second of all, you wouldn't want to do so with like flat, flat affect, we would call it. You wouldn't be like, hey, congratulations, you had your best month ever. Like this is a terrible use of emotion, right? You would want to pump them up. So whether it's positive emotion or negative emotion, you want to think about how I want them to feel, how are they likely to feel, and let me make sure they feel how I want them to feel when I leave the conversation by using my own emotion right, as a kind of a navigator to help them get to where I want them to go. Yeah, it's so funny to me because yeah. generally speaking, positive feedback is always given in the moment. Like you walk off the, yeah. out of the presentation, out of the boardroom, out of the, the sales office, and yeah. it's like high-fiving, great job, I love how you did this. Um, and you talked about kind of saving up maybe some of the constructive stuff or, or, or being um, intentional with the timing around it. How, I mean, what's the most effective way to kind of put somebody back in that moment and maybe recreate kind of the opportunity, even though it may be three, four, the, the long weekend may have passed? Yeah. Well, I think I'll give you two, two different answers to that. Kind of I'll take one on the positive and one on the constructive side. Um, 
you know, as much as it fires everybody up to be high five and, you know, walk out of this, the sales office. Um, and I'm, I would never knock that and say, don't do that. If you really want to be strategic towards creating a, a culture of feedback that reinforced high performance, you don't want to always give the attaboys right when the attaboy thing happens. So there's cases where I would recommend and seen work very well, where I said, you know what, dial back the high fives right after the win. Uh, I'm not saying you don't say, hey, nice work. You know, you, I'm not saying ignore it, but dial back the level of emotion. Now, at first, people might wonder a little bit what's going on. But if you, let's say, over a month's period, dial back the immediate positive reaction and lowered kind of the, the, the volume knob, so to speak, on that level of positive emotion, uh, and then kind of came in with a big bang of positive emotion three or four weeks later, that has a different impact. Now, only in the individual kind of leader that knows their team knows whether, you know, kind of doing that would be, you know, combustible and really blow up or whether like that wouldn't blow up and might have a positive impact and is willing to experiment with it. So if you know your team, you can withhold positive feedback temporarily in order to have a bigger bang effect a short time. Now, don't hold off for months at a time. Yeah. That's a terrible idea, right? So you want to make sure that it's a limited amount of time. But I've actually seen that work quite well. Now, on the constructive side, I do think that um, it's better to give people accurate, real-time feedback on the constructive uh, than it is to kind of, you know, bottle it up and give it to them later. Uh, so, you know, that's my recommendation that time. Sooner is better on the constructive side. Sooner is good on the positive side. Um, but sometimes you want to be kind of strategic about how you use positive feedback as well. So in your role as, as kind of helping leaders, do you give people a strategy or a word, a thought track, word track around kind of how to give that feedback? Yeah, I think, you know, we use a model uh, SBI, okay. acronym, Situation Behavior Impact. Um, and what it provides is a little bit of a crutch for leaders when they might not be great at delivering feedback in a structured and clear way. The reason that is, is it gives you three categories, three boxes to check that says, hey, you know, if, uh, if you want someone to know what you're about to give them feedback about, tell them what the situation is you're referring to, right? Hey, uh, you know, earlier today, I noticed you were having a conversation with a customer and I overheard you say, you know, X, Y, Z. So that's the situation. That's what you're talking about. It's like, you know, which movie are you about to play? Yeah, boom, puts them right in that moment. Right, right? in that moment. Now they're back in that moment. Okay, they're, they're ready for what you're gonna say next. B for behavior is, you said X and Y and Z, right? Uh, I noticed that you got fairly emotional and frustrated and I could see it on your face and I could hear it in your tone. That's the behavior. It's the thing I observed you do that I want you to be thinking about right now. And then depending on whether it's a positive or constructive, I'll make it a constructive one in this case, right? Where they didn't do something they should have done or did something in a poor way. Then you wanna talk about the I or the impact. And the impact is why does it matter? Who cares that in the conversation earlier today with a customer, I observed that you said X, Y, and Z in a certain way and showed frustration and I saw it on your face and heard, you know, heard it in your tone. Like, oh, okay, so what? And while we might think it's obvious, the other person might have a blind spot, didn't yeah. realize they did it. So that's why you set the tone, set the context of situation. That's why you describe the behavior. And that's why you kind of, you know, bring in the cleanup shot with like, and here's why that matters, right? Well, I noticed they got turned off, right? As soon as you did that, their body language changed and all of a sudden, you know, the deal fell through. So situation behavior impact, SBI, is a structured, easy to remember model for how to actually deliver feedback. And again, constructive, of course, but even positive feedback. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that's funny, Nick, is a lot of people 
when they learn SBI or when they get better at just generally delivering feedback, they'll give very useful and true uh, specific feedback on constructive issues, right? Very detailed feedback, even to the point of nitpicking sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but when they go to give positive feedback, it's attaboy, right? It's great job. Um, and so they're generic with positive and specific with negative. And what we've seen over the years at Avion is that both research-wise and in practice day-to-day is with leaders, especially in high-performance environments, is you want to give people very specific positive feedback so they can replicate it again or they can double or triple the behavior. So don't be generic with positive feedback. Be specific, be accurate, and be true, just like you would be on the constructive side. Awesome. I love it. I love that kind of having a strategy as a leader promotes feedback. You know, I think overall, though, feedback is just one component of kind of this healthy communication of high performance teams, right? Where kind of everything's That's on the right. table and people um, use kind of communication as a lever to kind of get themselves to the next level. But within feedback or communication, there's kind of two sides to it, right? There's the leader side, but then there's a the contributor side. How, like, are there things you can do or need to see within kind of the contributor side that you can kind of develop and flex so it puts you in a better position to kind of um, receive feedback or, or participate in those conversations? Yeah, I think like if you're someone on a team and you love what you do and you're high performance and high achievement oriented and successful, you want to be more successful. Rather, more, more successful can mean all kinds of things, right? Maybe you want a promotion. Maybe you want to move up a level, you know, on the team or in the organization. Maybe you just want to drive higher performance in your numbers, right? There can be all kinds of definitions of what successful looks like. We're talking about, you know, in a retail environment, right, you want to perform. And if you want to perform, then what you need is good feedback from your boss. And, presume, you know, presuming, and <laughs> this is a big presumption, your boss is at a Yahoo, right, then you want to get good accurate, true feedback from your boss. Great. I don't know how many people on listening would, would <laughs> agree with that, right? Right. The yeah. boss is a Yahoo. It's a big presumption. Mark? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know it's Mark is just, uh, keeping his mouth shut right now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you want that feedback in order to get better, then it is a requirement that you create uh, uh, an openness in the mind of your boss that you want the feedback. So you got to react in the right way when you get feedback. You have to say, I want the feedback. When you aren't getting the feedback you need to increase your performance, you need to ask for more feedback. So I think there's lots of to-dos on the feedback receiver side that you can you can engage in in order to get, again, let me use the word information or data. You want better information coming to you in order to course correct. What about the reverse where you want to give feedback to your boss? Yeah, that can be a tricky one, right? Because there's a power dynamic. There's always risk in kind of, you know, speaking truth to power, as we say. Um, I think two moves I've seen work consistently well, but they're not without risk. So let me not be Pollyanna, like this has no risk. One is you can say to your boss, um, hey, listen, I love that we've created a feedback rich environment here. I love all the feedback I get from you. Um, uh, I don't have anything right now, but I'm just wondering that if I have feedback for you at some point, if you would be, if you'd be cool with that, if you'd be interested in hearing it, uh, the boss can't really say no, uh, and it reduces the chance they're going to be really angry or frustrated with you or vengeful potentially if later on you actually give them some feedback. But if you want to create a high performing team as a as a leader, you have to be open to that. Of course, feedback. I think you got to ask for it, right? I think. You've got to set that standard, and I think there are things, whether it's stop, start, continues, like strategies like that, where if you're setting that example as a leader, 
it opens um, kind of those pathways to allow for kind of your team to be honest with you and come from a good spot. That's right. Yeah. So I think as a leader, I agree with that, Nick. I think as a leader, there's things you can do to create that level of openness and two-way communication. And as a and and Mark's right that you have to. You're not going to create a high performance team without setting a tone of openness and two-way communication from boss to to the team. It's also true though if you're on a team, um, you know, and the listeners, you know, both maybe a leader who's leading a team, but also as part of a team that they're on. Um, if, if you want to give more upward feedback, part of what I would suggest is compliment and reinforce your boss for being someone who. Uh, likes feedback. Yeah. Uh, unless it's completely untrue, because I wouldn't encourage you to lie to your boss yeah. right to their face about them being great at receiving feedback when they're not. But you could say things like, uh, you know, the fact that you give me so much useful feedback is really helpful to me. I just like that we've created that atmosphere of like open feedback on the team, because what that does is it te- tells the boss in the back of his or her brain, uh, like, I'm good at creating a feedback rich culture or feedback rich environment on this team. Um, and therefore, if you do it in the future, they, they can be less reactive and defensive by nature because of kind of how the psychology uh, works. Yeah. Interesting. I think, um, you know, boiled down, if, if you want a high performing team, you got to be comfortable with kind of two way feedback. That's right. It's one kind of critical component to to success, right? What success That's looks right. like. I would consider, you know, feedback and high performing teams. It's necessary, but not sufficient. Yeah. Uh, you can't build a high-performing team without creating a feedback uh, environment. It's not the only thing that makes a difference in high-performing teams, as we talked about earlier, but you definitely got to have it as a, a building block. Jeff, anything you're reading, anything you're curious about right now in your kind of travels? Yeah, I tell you what, I uh, came across an article the other day um, that got pinged to me, and it was talking about uh, difficult conversations, crucial conversations. There's a lot of good books out there on the topic, uh, as you guys know, and, and probably plenty of people have read about, read the books. The interesting thing here was it was talking about uh, the connection between kind of being direct and very clear. This is, and it relates to feedback. Uh, you'll see here in a second, because it was talking about direct, clear communication, which I think feedback should be direct and clear, but also layering, layering in a healthy amount of empathy when you're delivering feedback. It's like, it can be tough to give feedback. And if I think about that as a leader, if I think, yeah, this would be a tough message if I was hearing it, then you're likely to deliver the message in a more reasonable way. Not not deliver the message or not deliver it in kind of a kumbaya way, but deliver it in a direct and yet empathetic way. And so kind of, you know, it's interesting. So Kim Scott's the name of this author, wrote a book called Radical Candor, also has some TED Talks out there. And what she talked about is you want to be kind of high on the directness scale, but also high on the empathy scale. Yeah. She calls it radical candor. And, you know, most leaders tend to are biased one way or the other. Either you're too nice, you're indirect, you're not clear that it's a problem because you're too high empathy and too low directness. Or on the other side of things, you're, you're very direct, but with no empathy. And then people don't want to hear that. Right. Yeah. They don't like the message because of the delivery mechanism. Yeah. So I'm really curious and around kind of clarity of message. And, and I think there's a certain amount of compassion that comes with that when you're managing people. But I think uh, as we learn more, we'd love to have you back and, and um, talk a little more, go a little more depth around there. But Jeff, where can where can people find you? Yeah, they can uh, look us up uh, www.avionconsulting.com. They can find us on LinkedIn, Avion Consulting. 
Um, and I'm really glad to be on with you guys today. It's a great topic and one of you know, a lot of interest, hopefully, to, to people out there trying to create high-performing teams. Yeah, well, we, we appreciate you joining us. and Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, looking forward to, um, to having you back. So. All right, thanks, guys. I'll be happy to do it. Be sure to keep listening to The Walk Around as we explore the retail automotive space to keep up with the leaders that are influencing the retail automotive landscape today. We really appreciate you joining us today. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and share it with your friends.